0: Heading into rivalry week, Oregon State is 8-3, not where the Beeves wanted to be. So how should Oregon State fans feel about where they're at in the season right now and what might come next?
1: You are Locked On Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 Conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: welcome everybody to another episode of locked on Pack 12 i am your host spencer mclaughlin thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day part of the lockdown podcast network your team every day and your number one source to stay up to date with our media rights and soon to be mostly team free but until then beloved and loaded conference of champions like comment and subscribe Rate and review, please, and thank you wherever you listen to or watch the show. We recently hit 5,000 on YouTube, thousands more on podcasts. I'm very grateful to all of you. I'm grateful to Carter Baines as well. Beaver Blitz, 24-7 sports, the Oregon State guy that we bring here on the show. He's gotten some good feedback. By the way, the request for our horse game came uh, once again. We'll have to uh, come back to that next next summer when I get back to the state of Oregon. But how should those fans in Corvallis be feeling right now, Carter? 8-3. and three. Can't get to the Pac-12 championship game. A chance for a 10-win year if you're able to go into Eugene and win there for the first time since 2007. What do you think Oregon State fans are feeling and what should they be feeling right now? There is and I think should be
1: a a reasonable amount of disappointment. Um, you know, Oregon State fans are pretty down after last week's game against Washington, um, which you lose by two points to a top four team. Um, I, I don't think Oregon state is in a position anymore or nor has it been. And for a while to, to take moral victories, but I mean, there's nothing wrong inherently with, you know, playing a top four team to the wire. It was, it was a good showing by Oregon state. It is unfortunate for the Beavers that they came up short. And I think Oregon state fans are, are, are very, very much entitled to be disappointed about it because that's a game that Oregon state could. And, you know, maybe, maybe you argue should win. Um, but as the season, as you look at the season as a whole, you know, the Washington state loss now stands out. Washington state looks really weak compared to where it was at that point in the season. That's obviously one you'd love to have back. Um, I, I think beating at least one of Washington state and Arizona is going to be what, 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 lingers with the fan base, um, maybe more so than, than that Washington game, although the Washington game felt like a bigger opportunity. So maybe that stings even more. Um, but I think Oregon state would be in a, it would be in a far better place had it beaten Washington state, uh, you know, as opposed to, to beating Washington. Cause if we beat Washington state, you know, you enter the Washington game probably as a a top eight team, as opposed to the number 11 team in the, the, the college football playoff ranking. So, Um, I I would go back further in the season to find points of of disappointment than than that Washington game that actually I thought was a very well-played game by the Beavers.
0: Yeah, I I think there were some execution things at the end of that game that were not in the Beavers' best interest. For example, you know, they were trying to just run the ball, kill the clock, kick a game-winning field goal. That was their plan on on the drive and a solid game plan, given that it was wet and hard to throw the football. But on second and 10, DJ – taking a shot down the sideline on a throw that really wasn't ever there. But but even if it was there, I, I, I think that was kind of the biggest mistake in, in that game was now you're staring at third and 10 because you're trying to get it all in one play. And, and that hasn't been what's worked for your offense really all season long. It hasn't been a, a team that, you know, sets up the run a couple times and then hits a bunch of, you know, 50 to 60 yard passing plays. It's been a team that is very methodical, and sure, they use play action, but I, I thought that was where they, you know, kind of got away from what they do best and into a spot that that forces them uh, to struggle, which they'll have to avoid against Oregon on the road this week. We'll talk about that game more coming up later here on the show. You talked about the Washington State game a lot. I, I, I know in retrospect, the Cougs loss is worse than Arizona. But when you look at the game, you know, Washington state was clearly playing like a different football team. There was something was different back then. Like they were playing really good football through the first, you know, month of, of the season, the Arizona game, I think is the one that's got to sting the Beaver fans more than Washington state. Cause I think wazoo, you just got outplayed, you know, that like that, that's just the the, the way it is. And to give an example in my personal fandom as an Oregon guy, the 2010 national championship game stings a lot more than the loss to Ohio state in 2015, because in 2015, I look at the game and go, eh, got outplayed. Just, just not your day. Got outplayed. But 2010, you go, man, one thing here and there. And that game completely it shifts the other way. So I look at that Arizona loss and, and say, I think that's the one that stings more because the fake field goal was such a head scratcher. And then you end up losing the game by, by three points. I, I, am I am I nuts for thinking that? No, I don't disagree.
1: Actually, um, I, I think Oregon State did get quite a bit of credit for the teams that lost to two. Though, when you look at the movement in the rankings, uh, and particularly over the last couple of weeks with the committee's rankings, I know the Beavers dropped five spots after, which is ridiculous. To by oh my, oh, oh
0: my, ridiculous! You lose to a top five team by two points, and we're dropping you five spots. Meanwhile, Tennessee is ranked. Yeah, it,
1: it's actually somewhat unprecedented uh, by the committee this year. Normally, if you lose to a highly ranked team, you don't move very far down the rankings. And and that goes back to my point that I was making there is that Oregon State hasn't dropped more than you know four or five spots in the rankings after these losses because the committee and at the time with the Washington State game, the AP voters really respected those two teams that the Beavers lost to. So you know, we can sit here and say, well, in hindsight, you know, the Washington State game looks really bad because the Cougs lost, what, six in a row or something after they beat the beeves Like, yes, but at the time, like you kind of to the point you made, it was a, a quality team Oregon State was playing and it was a team that was very respected and that was a tough matchup. So I don't know. It's it's it really is kind of a tough thing to gauge as far as the disappointment level in the season for Oregon State, because. I think going into the year, you and I both recognized that seven, eight wins is probably the floor. Um, you know, there was always going to be a path to where that was possible. And while disappointing, that's just what happens when you play in coin flippy games. Last year, most of them went Oregon State's way. This year, most of them went the opponent's way.
0: Yeah, and I, I think it's hard to look at a season like this for for a program like Oregon State. Because you, you you and I have talked about this before looking at a, a potentially eight win season and saying that was a disappointment is on the one hand, a testament to how far the program has come under Jonathan Smith. But on the other hand, also the point of making a new coaching hire so that you can get back to this sort of space. Cause we've seen Oregon state compete for you know, a, a PAC 10 championship back in, in, you know, kind of the late two thousands at 2007, 2009, they were in that, that, that sort of range, competing to play in, in big-time bowl games and winning eight, nine games at least in, in a season. That has always been you know possible, just harder to get to, and now they've gotten there, and coming up short this year, it's it's a disappointment, but I mean, I, I don't look at the season and say, oh, it's a complete and total failure for the bees because the way the college football works, you build your program to the best spot that you can get it to, and then you keep taking your best shot every year, and it's really hard. It's really, really hard. You go look at you know, teams that compete for national championships even. How long was Georgia knocking on the door of getting to that level before they've won back-to-back? How long had Clems- – Dabo Sweeney was at Clemson for seven years before he won a national championship. I'm not talking about that specifically with Oregon State, but my point is it can take a really long time, even high-level programs that have a lot more resources than Oregon State to break through and have that one really big year that gets you over the hump and unfortunately for the beeves it just didn't happen for them this year at a time where they're about to you know, face uncertainty in the conference realignment world.
1: And think about it this way, too. Success, as we always say, is not always linear. Uh, improvement is not always linear. You go back to a season ago, Oregon State won 10 games and It was obviously a huge deal when the beavers cracked the top 25 you know doing something that they hadn't done in in a decade oregon state this year is probably going to finish with fewer wins than it had last year and yet it could very well go wire to wire as a ranked team Um, it's playing in in bigger television spots it's it's drawing sellout crowds in a bigger stadium than it had last year i mean these are all factors that you can point to and say, Oregon State's in a better position at the end of this year, even though it has a lower win total than last year. Um, so again, to your point there, you know, you're, you're building consistency. You're building a tradition of winning. You're, you're building big games and, and, and big environments that you can then take another step forward off of just because you're you're only winning eight or nine games as opposed to nine or ten. Um, you know, that might look like a step backward, but think about it. Oregon State played better teams this year. Um, it, it itself might, might have been a better team uh, all around, and it got more attention. And really, for Oregon State, with everything that it's dealing with off the field, what more could you ask for than to put yourself in a position where you're playing good teams as a good team yourself in good TV spots I think you have to look at the season as a resounding success, even though,
0: even though you come up short of your biggest goals. I think resounding success is not going to land with every Oregon state fan out there. I think there are some who might see it that way. Mm -hmm. I, I think a success at some level. Yes. A lot of good things happen. They did, however, come up short of, you know, their, one of their biggest goals before the season, which was, Make the Pac-12 championship game, and now that goal is is completely out of reach. But I, you touched on, you know, kind of what Oregon State did this year to get, you know, more attention, get more people interested, talk about the program, and they're probably going to go wire to wire ranked. You know, even if they lose to Oregon this week, they'll probably fall from 16, probably down into the 20s. I, I would guess, depending depending on the outcome although apparently not depending on the outcome. Because apparently if you lose to a really good team by two points, you're dropping five spots if you're Oregon State. But if you get housed by a really good team and you're Tennessee, you're falling three and you're still in the top 25 with four losses. I'm, I'm, so, I'm so over that particular – anyway. So I want to transition into, into this topic, Carter, and that's kind of what Oregon State comes next. I don't think you and I have talked a ton about kind of what Oregon State can do next, what Oregon State should do next as you look at – the potential paths here for, for the bees, what do you see as kind of the best option with, you know, the, the landscape they're facing in the, the legal battles and conference realignment and and all that nonsense. So I know the scheduling model uh, was kind of a,
1: a a point of discussion last week, whether they go with a scheduling alliance with the mountain West, uh, whether they try to get some more power five teams on there, uh, and, power and four,
0: power, power, power four. Sorry. Remember, <laughs> sorry, power four.
1: Um, yeah, gonna have to adjust to that. Jeez, um, <laughs> it's weird. Either way, it's weird. It's weird. It's weird. Yeah, weird. I think it, either way, so with Oregon State and Washington State uh, coming out successful in the um, in the first court hearing, obviously there's going to be more with the appeal and whatnot. But with it coming out successful and looking like you know the case is strong enough to withstand some appeals um i think the the path forward is pretty clearly here to operate as a pack to uh kind of a quasi independent quasi conference school next year uh you play in that limbo for a year and then go from there and it gives you a lot of flexibility if you're Oregon state but and i know we're going to touch on this with uh with the future of the Oregon state Oregon rivalry If you're going to go that route, and you don't have a guaranteed media rights deal because you're an independent or a two-team conference, you can't really afford to only play Mountain West schools and Portland State. Like you're going to need to play teams that are going to get you on TV, because if the end goal is still to end up in the Big Twelve or you know you know another power conference and not fall down to the Mountain West. Like you you have to keep your name out there and you have to keep winning against good teams. I, I don't think going undefeated against a Mountain West schedule is going to do as much for you next year as it might, um, or as as playing against good teams might. Now, there's still the college football playoff implication of all of this. Like, does the Pac two qualify for an automatic bid as a? No, they have champion? to have at least
0: they have to have at least eight teams for that, and and that's different from a rule I've mentioned here on the show before that comes from the NCAA, which is a two year grace period to exist as a conference under the eight team threshold. However, the college football playoff is separate from the NCAA, so the college football playoff. Has come out and said, if you're going to get an automatic qualifying spot as a conference champion, you have to have at least eight teams in the conference. So Oregon State, and Washington State will be able to compete for an at-large berth, of which there will probably be seven if they do shift to the five plus seven mi- five plus seven model. Seven at-large berths, five highest-ranked conference champions instead of the six plus six they currently have. But that's that's the way that landscape plays out right now, which is like it's not inaccessible, but you have to be able to build a good enough schedule.
1: Yeah. And it's, I guess it's kind of tough to say which is the best path forward because obviously going 12 and 0 or 11 and 1 against a Mountain West schedule is going to put you in the conversation, but is it going to be enough to get you over the hump as opposed to going, you know, 10 and 2 or 11 and 1 against a a mix of power conference and Mountain West schools? Like, I mean, I don't know. Someone's getting paid to to run those numbers and to and to model everything. Obviously, I and I, I'm I'm not the expert in in projecting all of that, but um, that's what they're going to have to battle with over the next few months. Yeah, and they unfortunately, are. they don't have much time to do it.
0: No, they do not. No, they 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 really do not. It feels like they're kind of up against the clock. I mean, mm-hmm. heck, by the time the show comes out, we could have a different a, a different situation. We're recording this late on uh a Tuesday night and dropping it on Thursday. So, one thing that is, is a, I'd say fairly sizable subject of discussion right now is should the civil war do what the apple cup has done and that is extend the series the apple cup extended through 2028 i think that's great as a college football fan i think it's you know fine and and good for washington i think it's great for washington state i understand fans on both sides who have the opposing viewpoint. Washington fans who say, we don't need to play them. There's no upside there. Washington state fans who say, I don't want anything to do with Washington. They screwed us over and helped kill the conference and whatnot. Same debate for Oregon and Oregon state here. I I come down on this on the exact same side with that. I, I want to see the rivalry continue because I value that in college football. And I want to cling to anything that we can on that front where we're able to, because it's just being destroyed everywhere else that, that you look, whether it's realignment or loss of rivalries and like all, all this sort of stuff, all the traditions going away. So keep what you can. But also from Oregon State standpoint, you, you have some home and homes. You know, I think there's a, a Purdue home and home on there. Is tech, Texas Tech on there? Or something? Yes. yes. Not next year,
1: I don't think.
0: But I think I it, it's I think like I, Yeah, I think that's in the future. Like they have some power four games. But you can't be sure that a Purdue or a Texas Tech are going to be an opportunity for a top 25 win. Sure, it could be a good, solid win, but it would also only be one or two potentially. And I think if you're Oregon State and you can guarantee that you'll play on you know, national television if you go to Eugene, because they'll have the Big Ten media contract uh, at, at their disposal there to broadcast the game and you can ensure that you're going to play a Power 4 team, a relevant Power 4 team, a good Power 4 team. I, I I get the Oregon State fans that don't like it. Completely understand. The reality of the situation, though, the way I see it, Carter, is that's too good of an opportunity to pass up unless you can guarantee that you're going to get people to be able to go to Corvallis or that will have you you know, come out and play them, and I just don't think there are that many schools that will do that.
1: So you say going to Eugene. And I think that's where the hiccup is here. I don't think Oregon State agrees to something unless they are playing at Reezer Stadium next year. Um, I don't think Oregon State will agree to go to Eugene two years in a row. I don't think they'll do it without guarantees. Um, And I don't think they'll do it without home games involved. They have a stadium that they just built that they need to fill. They have have a need to be on TV against big opponents. And so that's why I think they will attempt to schedule against Oregon and why they probably should, um, to much to the disdain of, of many Oregon state fans. I know that, you know, there's an element of, I I don't even want to, I don't know if I want to say pettiness, but I guess it, it is kind of technically pettiness, but I think it's, it's well-founded, you know, why should you want to play this team that kind of screwed you
0: over? Um, it, it's a little. It's like going. It, 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 in it's it's like going that it is. I was. I was going to say it's like going back to your landlord for a loan after he evicts you from your house. Right. But if you don't have another option, it doesn't. I, I'm not saying it's going to feel great, but is that in your best interests? Well, yeah, you gotta. You gotta have some money to sleep. To yeah. pay, To go somewhere. There's a little bit of
1: an inferiority complex issue there, um, you know, feeling like you're reliant on Oregon um, that I, I think Oregon State fans are are too proud to, to accept, um, nor should they accept that, you know, they, they should not accept the idea that they are reliant on their rival school um, as much as as the reality may suggest otherwise in this case. I don't think Oregon State is inherently reliant on Oregon, but it is reliant on other teams giving it an opportunity to showcase itself on TV because Oregon State, as we know and as is obvious, is not going to draw TV itself to Corvallis unless they're playing against a top 25 team. Purdue is not going to be a ranked team. I have no idea. That's probably a Big Ten Network game next year, which... You know, that's accessible, but it's not something that people are tuning into at a high rate. You need teams to bolster your schedule because if Purdue is the the most exposure you're going to get all year, you've got a problem. And what better way to get exposure than playing a ranked Oregon team that's probably going to be in the college football playoff conversation again that you know draws eyeballs. And if you can get them in your home stadium, which I think is going to be a main, main priority for
0: Oregon State here, even better. And, and by the way, just just for the record, that's what I would like to see happen is just keep going back and forth next year at Reiser, the following year at Autzen, next year at research, just that, that that's what I would like to have happen. There were a lot of different factors at play that can prevent that from from taking place. But as it turns out, speaking of this particular matchup, Oregon and Oregon State. They play a football game this week on Friday night. As a matter of fact, it will be a pretty heavily viewed game. Oregon is in the thick of the college football playoff hunt. They have to win to get to the Pac-12 championship game, just like last year. And unlike last year, they can keep their college football playoff hopes alive with a win. They'd already lost them a season ago because they'd suffered their second loss of the season to, to Washington. So let's talk about this game. And just first big picture for Oregon State, Carter. What, what does a win mean here? Like, would it salvage the negative feelings that have existed of coming up short of their big season goals? Like, if in the context of all this realignment stuff, I would get the sense that if they're able to beat Oregon for a second year in a row, it'd be the first time winning in Eugene since 2007, as Oregon is leaving them behind for the Big Ten. I mean, that would that, that would mean something to Corvallis in a pretty significant way, I would guess. Yeah, there will always be that
1: disappointment of of not getting to the Pac-12 championship and and not delivering on these dark horse college football playoff aspirations that you had going into the year. Like that will always be there, and regardless of what happens this week, Oregon State is is not in the mix for either of those things. So I think that will linger and that will sting. Um, but to take the edge off of that to beat Oregon on the road, something that you haven't done in, in 15, 16 years, um, to beat the team that, again, is is leaving you in the dust in conference realignment um, and, and a school that, you know, traditionally has had a lot of success against you in this rivalry. Like, that would be the ultimate way to say goodbye to the, to the Pac-12 if you're Oregon State. Like, you want to go out on top. This is the way to do it. You get one more Pac-12 game it's the biggest game on your schedule every year. Um, it's going to be, I mean, this will be one of the most watched, excuse me, one of the most watched games of the week. Again, Oregon state Washington, I think was the most watched game of, of it was, 12. it was
0: up there. I think Georgia, Tennessee had a bigger number and one other game. Right. I think it was Georgia, Tennessee, one other game. And then it was Oregon state, Washington state.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, this will probably be a top three to top five viewed game as well. Being on black Friday, primetime, you know, national TV, um, yeah, what, what better way to go out on top than than to beat Oregon if, if you're Oregon State? Even if you don't live up to your loftiest goals, um, it it will be one that that nobody will forget probably ever in their lifetimes.
0: Yeah, I, I I agree with that. So let's talk about the matchup itself. Oregon's a big favorite here compared to what I was expecting. You know, what once upon a time they had look ahead lines on this game and it was Oregon minus seven and a half. Then it moved closer to 10. It's out around two touchdowns right now, kind of 13 and a half, 14, 14 half, depending on you know where you look and when when you look. That feels like a big number to me. I think it's reflective of what the what the sportsbooks think Oregon is capable of at their best because of what they can bring to the table offensively. Oregon State's defense has played much better on the road in their last two outings than they did in their first few Pac-12 games. But still, I, I just think Oregon at home is probably the reason that it's that it's such a big number there. I don't, what, what do you what do what do you make of that line to to start and what it says about the matchup? Two touchdowns is a lot. Um,
1: I think it's probably too much, um, but I see why it is where it is. I, I think there is a heavy emphasis on the home field factor here because Oregon, as you know, is about as tough as they come at Austin and Oregon state is about as shaky as they come on the road. So I, I think that is, is caked into this number quite a bit. Um, I, I I'm curious to see what the number would be on a, I, I guess the insinuation is that it would be about 10 on a neutral field, but that feels like too much. Um, I, I thought, I thought think, it would be
0: around 10 at Austin. I, I I thought nine and a half yeah. 10 to 10 and a half is kind of where it would fluctuate. Two touchdowns is, that I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just hedging my myself mentally because I can struggle sometimes having like full confidence in Oregon to play an Oregon state team that by the way is coming in with nothing to lose. I think Jonathan Smith is gonna throw the kitchen sink at Oregon here because he's thinking, well, we're not going to the Pac-12 championship game. And it would mean the world to Corvallis to win this game in this particular moment, the last Pac-12 game ever, as as we know it here. So you know the potential distractions of Jonathan Smith looking elsewhere. I, I don't know that his team um, is really getting pulled by that in a, in a big way. Cause I thought they played really well against Washington and I think they've played well just about every week this season. So I, I look at this game and say, number one thing for Oregon state, you got to pressure Bo Nix and Andrew Chaffield jr has been great. Beavs have 36 sacks as a team this year, but last week, Michael Penix had a lot of time to throw and he didn't put up great numbers, if it hadn't been a torrential downpour, he might have gone for closer to three or 400 yards because the pressure wasn't there. I think it's the biggest key for the Beavs here. If you don't pressure Bo Nix, he's going to pick you apart. I'd actually go
1: to the back end of the defense. Um, these two things work in concert, obviously, the pass rush and then your, your pass defense downfield. But Oregon State is tremendously banged up. In the secondary, they had two freshman corners playing against Washington of all teams, um, which <laughs> if you're allowing 22 points on the game and shutting Washington out in the second half with two freshman corners against that quarterback and those receivers you are doing something well. But Oregon State is, I mean, they are extremely thin at cornerback and then safety Achille Arnold got injured in that Washington game, had to leave, didn't return to the game, questionable for this week. If that secondary is as depleted on friday as it is today that 14 uh uh, that might look that might look more like the uh like the accurate number there um so i think getting healthy on the back end and if you're not healthy getting out of this world performances from your inexperienced corners is going to be absolutely crucial because Everyone knows what Bo Nix can do and what Troy Franklin can do. I mean, it's it's one of the best quarterback-receiver tandems out there, and if you're not healthy and if you're playing freshman, uh, I, I think they will tear you up.
0: Yeah, and, and I wouldn't sleep on Tez Johnson either, who mm-hmm. has become Oregon's number two receiver this season. He's coming up on, on a 1,000-yard campaign as well. He's less than 200 yards uh, away from that. Real quick before you go, Carter, your prediction on the game – in Eugene on Friday, I get to save mine until tomorrow, so I don't have to stick my neck out there just yet.
1: Yeah, I was going to file mine tomorrow as well. Um, so <laughs> I, I, I frankly haven't really fully thought this one through, but well, I'd probably go by I, I'd probably go by Oregon. I'd probably go Oregon by about a touchdown. Um, I, I I could see Oregon State kind of backdooring if it gets blowouty. You know, if if Oregon's up by two scores or 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 17 points or something i could see Oregon state scoring a late touchdown to make it look a little more respectable. Um they've done that in the past when this game Each of the each of the last of
0: two years by the way, Oregon has had a 21 point lead and it has been whittled down to single yeah. digits or even or even worse for the Ducks cuz you know last year Oregon state had the big comeback the year prior it was 31 to 9 and then all of a sudden it was 31 to 21 and i think Oregon was staring at a third and or Oregon State might even have had the, the, the football at one point in time, but they came back mm-hmm. in in that game as well. All of my prediction tomorrow here on the show, along with the rest of the games, Carter Baines, Beaver Blitz, twenty four seven sports. Appreciate it as always. Thank you. Appreciate everyone listening. I'll see you next time. Until then, hope you have a wonderful rest of your day.